I was at the YMCA on the south side of town. I was on the treadmill and the TVs, usually which are all set to different channels, and they were still set to different channels, but they were all showing the same thing. Uh, Apparently a plane had flown into one of the Twin Towers in New York, and they were trying to assess what it was, what plane it was, how it happened, all the questions. And it was interesting, but, you know, it was a world away from Wichita, Kansas. So I continued my workout, uh, getting buff, as I'm known to do, and uh, went and got cleaned up and got in my truck, and, and now uh, all the radio stations were talking about the same event. I came in to work here at the office, and, and we were talking about it a little bit. I think we found a TV somewhere and kind of watched the world unfold. And I, along with many of you and most of the world, watched in horror as a horrific thing began to happen. And that horrific thing that began to happen changed everything about our world from that point going forward. It's kind of weird to think about 21 years ago. Do you remember where you were? And do you remember what you were thinking? And so, while today is the 21st anniversary of 9-11, today's message is not completely about 9-11. I want us to kind of take a step back and think just a little bit about what we do, how do we respond, how do people of faith overcome evil? If you've lived in the world long enough, you realize that the world is full of evil, in big ways and small. As we worship God today, you know that right this very moment, somewhere in the world, an act of pure evil is happening. You may find out about it, you may not, but, but that's the way of the world, and it's been that way since the beginning of the world. Um... Sometimes it seems like evil takes the upper hand. It's 21 years ago when 19 Islamic terrorists threw two jetliners into, uh, hijacked four planes and crashed two giant towers and many other buildings around the country. And when it was all said and done, murdered 2,996 innocent souls. But it's not just a day like 9-11. It's a day like 10-1. Five years ago, uh, a top of Las Vegas hotel, a madman, with seemingly no reason, went to the top of the Mandalay Bay Hotel and gunned down uh, hundreds of people at a concert. Uh, 58 people died that night. 
over 500 of them were injured. And you see something like that, and you say, what in the world? How in the world? That's the way evil works. It's not logical. It doesn't make a lot of sense to the mind, and it certainly doesn't make sense to the heart. And it violates the soul. It's a day like 1121 in Wisconsin. Lots of people are going to a parade, and some evildoer gets behind the wheel of an SUV, and he plows down a crowd of people who were just going to see a parade. Injured 62 people, killed six. It's horrific. It's evil. This day's like May 24th this year. When a wicked, depraved person went into a school and he massacred 21 innocent children. Who all they were doing was going to school that day. Evil doesn't make sense. Breaks the heart. And it violates the soul. I would love to stand before you and say that is all the evil that will ever happen. But you and I both know that's not true. You and I know that just as likely could something like 9-11 or 5-24 or 10-1 or 11-21 happen again? Yes. It could happen as soon as this afternoon. It could be far away or it could be you who is affected. So a question for you, a simple one, but one I want you to think about. How do we respond to evil? What do we do when the worst takes over? Now, I told you that evil doesn't make sense, breaks the heart and violates the soul. That was true all the way in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 6, if you want to turn there, Genesis is the book of beginnings in a lot of ways, beginning of the created order, beginning of human beings, the beginning of sin. Sin breaks into the world in chapter 3, and by chapter 6 of that account, we read these words in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, page 6 of your pew Bible. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then it adds this, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. Did God make a mistake? No, I don't think so. God doesn't make mistakes. What was it that he regretted? Well, my view of it, it's man's choice to pursue evil rather than good. This happened when Cain killed Abel. And then he shrugged it off and said, Am I my brother's keeper? So that's how God responded. And to be fair, I I believe in every way, great or small, 
from the moment when sin entered the world and Adam and Eve were hiding from him, all the way to this very moment, every act of evil, great and small, done in the light or done in the darkness, breaks the heart of God. Now when it happens, depending on how it impacts us, often determines how we respond. So let me ask you, when you think back about the big one uh, you know, on 9-11, how did you respond that day in the face of such evil? Uh, there's a lot of emotions. Uh, usually around 9-11, I'll post something on Facebook and just ask, where, where were you and what were you feeling? And there's a lot of different places where people were, but there's a lot of different places where people were. And I'm not talking about the physical location. I'm talking about the place here and here. Emotions like despair and rage and fear and blame. Those are fairly normal emotions that we respond with when we see evil. For the rest of our time, I, I want to give you something to think about for when the next world-changing, cataclysmic, unspeakable evil thing happens. I want you to think about how people of faith respond, who love and serve and obey and submit to a good God, but who live and work and act and have relationships in an evil world, a world that's full of you. There's three ways. I'll give them to you. First, we need to understand that God is still good. And so, we ought to trust him. I want you to turn to Psalm 37. It's a psalm of David. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart. But David wasn't perfect. He did evil. <laughs> he was on the receiving end of evil in his life. He was maligned. He was attacked. He, he was put into the enemy's crosshairs for different reasons at different times. And David, prompted by the Spirit of God, writes this beautiful psalm that I think will help us in times of evil. He writes, this is page 591, if you don't know where the book of Psalms is, Psalm 37. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious because of wrongdoers. They will soon fade like the grass, wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noon day. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his ways, over the man who carries out evil devices. There's all sorts of evil in the world, but when even evil happens, and it will, the first thing we ought to do is trust him. We got to trust that God's going to work all that out. A lot of our emotions have everything to do with us. 
I wish I could do something. I wish, I wish, we, I wish we could have an impact. I wish I could respond. I wish I could get even. And, and the Psalms calls us to trust in the Lord and do good. To fret not yourself because of evildoers. And that's true if it's something big, or that's true if it's something as petty as your day-to-day interactions at work. And you see a co-worker, they, they are stealing from the company. They're talking behind people's backs. They're engaging in malicious and evil behavior. And you think, why, why is it that they're rewarded? And Psalm 37 says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. And this reminds us of something, and that's this. Our hope does not depend on the internals. It doesn't depend on us. It also doesn't depend on the externals. Our hope is in the eternal God of heaven, who will overcome evil and who will bring victory and righteousness. Number two, since God is our refuge, we should take heart. Your faith in God is evident by the fact that you're here. That's, that's one aspect of faith, is worshiping a God that you can't see. Singing praises and praying and giving and, and partaking of the Lord's Supper and hearing from His Word. All of that is, is one part of your faith, but, but faith is, is easy here. We have to take our faith in the Lord Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And when the world falls apart, the question is, will our faith be in a God who does not? When our world comes undone, will our hope and our hearts be set in the rock of refuge? If you're still in Psalms, I want you to turn over to Psalm chapter 91. <clears throat> psalmist writes this about the refuge and the shelter of God. He who dwells, this is Psalm 91.1, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the, t- the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. The psalmist reminds us that all of the externals can come crashing down, but internally we can have a secure hope within the refuge of Almighty God. And I'll go a step farther. I don't know of a better refuge than the Lord God Almighty. I don't know of one. I can't think of one. 
Try to think where your security lies. Are you in a well-fortified home? Are you armed to the teeth? You have plenty of gold and guns? All right. But all of those things are temporary refuge. Someone can steal your gold. Someone can hijack your crypto. (laughs) Someone can take your guns and the market can come crashing. There's, There's nothing truly secure that I can think of in this world besides the God of heaven. That's why we call him. That's why we understand that he's our refuge. And every person of faith is going to have a moment like this. Every person of faith will have to have a moment when their faith will require courage. Faith does not timidly cower inside of itself. Faith requires you to walk in faith and live by faith and trust in the Lord. Ask any of the characters of the Old Testament. Let me, let me, let's go to three of them and ask. Ask Moses. This is the picture we have of Moses at the edge of the Red Sea. But in Exodus chapter 6, we read this account that Moses had taken this ragtag group of slaves and people who had given their whole lives with someone else over them. And God had freed them out of Egypt. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh changed his mind. And this ragtag group of wandering nomads who are in the desert now come to the Red Sea and they're between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army with no place to go. And they are crying out to Moses. This is what Exodus 6 says of that story. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they... Showed great faith in God? No, that's not what the text says. It says they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said, is it because there were no graves in Egypt? You've taken us away to die in the wilderness. What have you done bringing us out of Egypt? Because they had so quickly forgotten how good Egypt was, I guess. Is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And that's the way fear acts. I'd rather settle for a bare minimum than have to take a step out in faith and trust the Lord. Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Now, Moses is giving this grand Charlton Heston kind of speech. And you got to think, okay, Lord, I've, I've laid it down. you got to show up here because i got two options and neither of them look good. i got an Egyptian arm behind me. I have a Red Sea in front of me, and we're not that good at swimming. So you're going to have to show up. And what does the Lord say? Verse 15 of, of Exodus 6. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? 
tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Tell the people of Israel that they may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will... They shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host and his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Ask Daniel, a righteous man who feared God, who prayed to God every day, who was stabbed in the back by people in power because they didn't like Daniel very much. They didn't like Daniel's God. They they ask that a law be made against the law of his God. That no one should pray except to the king. And they knew that Daniel would not bow his knee. And so punishment came. And King Darius was not pleased to do it. But he was a man of the law and of the word and that he had given. And in Daniel 6, the king commanded... And Daniel was brought and he was cast into the den of lions. The king declared, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet, the signet of the Lord's, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And nothing nothing was changed concerning Daniel. God didn't change and Daniel didn't change. The only thing that changed is the appetite of the lions. At the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the mouth of the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. May God, my God send his angel and shut the lion's mouths. They have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. And so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Easy to have faith when it's easy. But when laws are made... Concerning your faith in God, you may have to ask yourself, will we have courage like Daniel? Will we trust in God when the going gets tough? You could ask Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6, the story of the Assyrian army surrounding the people. And the servant of Elisha rose early in the morning, Scripture says, and behold, an army with horses and chariots was around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what should we do? And he said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then something cool happens. Verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, Please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, the servant. He saw, and behold, the mountain was full of chariots and horses of fire 
all around Elisha. Every person of faith will have to have courage. Maybe in big, cool Bible story ways like this, Bible VBS kind of stories like this, but it may be in small ways too. You'll have to ask yourself, do I have courage enough to trust in the Lord God Almighty? Number three, good always defeats evil. So, so may you do good. May you do good. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, we're told that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That's true for us. We, we need to understand. We need to not forget who we are. I'll remind you of Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. John, at the beginning of his gospel, in chapter 1, verse 5, says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. September 11th was a Tuesday. If I remember correctly, the Wednesday night service at Northside looked a lot like a Sunday morning service. Nearly every pew was full. Because good people trusting in a good God wanted to respond to an evil act in the way that good people always respond to evil, and that is this, trusting in the good and doing what's good. And so we saw firefighters and police officers and people going to help. We, all of the planes that were called back to the ground meant that there were people that were stranded in every city, and there were people opening their homes There were people giving blood and people doing good. Always look for the people who do good. We give so much attention to the evildoers. But I think it would be better if we start focusing on the people who do what's good. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Romans chapter 12 says this, verse 21, and then we'll close. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Today was not just about 9-11. I I really wanted us to think bigger and understand that when evil happens, and it will, until Jesus returns, evil will happen in this world. But we still must trust in a God who's faithful, and a God who's good, who's a God who's our refuge, and we must continue to remember that light always, always overcomes the darkness. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our evil world needs the light of Jesus. Our evil hearts need to be overcome by a good Savior. Good always overcomes evil. So align yourself with the good, and in all things, trust the Lord. This morning, if you need to give your life to the Lord, if you need to express faith in Him, repent of sin. Maybe there's evil in your life that you need to repent of. If you'd like to become a Christian, if you'd like to be on the winning team, be on the side of the good, uh, there's only one way to do that, and that's to come to Christ Jesus. And the only way that the Bible tells us to do that, the only way that Jesus told us to do that, was simply to believe and be baptized. If you need to do that, we'll be glad to help you with that this morning, honored to do so. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, 
maybe you find yourself slipping back into evil. Evil is a strong force. And we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Our shepherds would certainly be delighted to do that. If you have a spiritual need this morning, whatever it might be, why don't you head to the back during this time and speak with one of our shepherds. Let's stand and sing.